And the intro music's over. It's Redleaf Retrocast. JPQ, I've hijacked you for the steamroll through the Joshi scene. Woo! Let's roll, baby. I'm starting this off real fast and furious because I put this episode out late. No AJW Classics episode. That will be a twofer in the next one because we're so late in the month at this point. Uh, look, snowboarding's taken over my life. Golf and bowling. I'm being active again. <laughs> Good job, baby. I like you getting out of there socializing. Well, a lot of these things involve solo work, but you know. <laughs> Didn't have to be too honest. Uh, well, I had my mom visit for my birthday, and she was here for two weeks, so that really took up a good chunk of my time as well. Happy birthday, JD. Yeah, thank you, JPQ. So, uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro ended the Max Heart Tournament with uh, the Daisy Monkey duo of Endo and Suzume defeating Rika Tatsumi and Miyu Watanabe in easily the best match of the tournament. I won about three stars. Uh, very okay, but I can't speak to really anything else of recommendation-wise from TJPW over the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, there's not a tremendous amount of movement in TJPW, it feels like, right? A lot of the same people. Uh, doing the same things. I uh, thought it was a good tournament overall, right? I thought, I thought from you know start to finish, it was pretty, pretty okay. It's just you know you kind of seen these teams before. Not much, you know. Again, I feel like I'm watching every year. I feel like I'm still watching the TJPW from the year before. If that makes sense. Yeah, and now with less talent, the at the sure. top. Sure, sure, so sure. it's very bare bones there. There's slots like to fill, and they're not filling them fast enough. Filling those slots, and they're not filling the slots. Yeah, that's exactly right. You feel like you should, okay, I'm going to punch in and maybe we're going to see something new. And it just feels like even with open slots, we're not seeing much new stuff. Although shout out Hyper Masao. Always enjoy watching her. <laughs> well, a lot of fans are very happy for Suzume and Endo winning the tag titles. I, yeah. guess, we'll, I guess we'll see what they what they do with them. But anyways, uh, in the rest of the scene, look. Wave isn't doing much. Ice Ribbon's not doing much. Seedling is nowhere. And then we got Oz Academy. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Look, they've they every they've run four shows this year. Every show is yeah. over three hundred. Still, they're the third top Joshi promotion in the scene right now. Uh, handily, I might add. Yep. Give Ozaki your flowers, man. Well, no, I won't do that. Yes, do it. <laughs> it's do been it. the same promotion for 25 years with mm -hmm. a and rolling influx pulling. of young talent that never gets pushed. Still uh, pulling the third best in the Joshi scene. <laughs> with that said, Ozaki came off uh, the most recent show defeating Sonico Kato to be the number one contender for the Oz title, and she will be going against Mio Momono. Who just deep. won the title from Akito. Mm -hmm. What does this mean, JPQ? I don't know. <laughs> no clue what it means. Um, it probably means that Mio's in trouble. You know? <laughs> the radar's going Mio. off. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just there's a red alert, you know, that like, oh boy, here we go again. But um, outside of that, you know, it's. It, it's 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 an interesting one with with Oz Academy because what 
kind of match are you going to get? You know, like, is it going to be like a nice, um, you know, open weight title match? Or is it just going to be, for the lack of better phrasing, fuckery? Um, and it tends, well, it's an Ozaki main event. Of course, there's going to be fuckery. It tends to lean a little bit to the fuckery more times than not. Um, but my hope is that, uh, you know, they find a better balance with the, this time around. We'll see. We'll see. My I'll prediction. Like three weeks after it happened. My prediction. And I'm going to be the optimistic side here. Oh, boy. Look at you being optimistic. First of all, I'd just take a minute and breathe it in. <laughs> JD's going to be optimistic about. I think. Um. <laughs> Oz Academy. Let's hear it. I think after copious amounts of interference from Ozaki Goon mm-hmm. and police, police yeah. will hit Ozaki doing the Ozaki mm. special, and mm. Miyamono is going to fire back after, I don't know, some sort of Aja Kong like babyface interference, and okay. she will pin Ozaki with the fluke win. Nah. What say you? Mm, I just historically that just does not happen. Historically, it um, does happen, but historically also you get the Hikaru Shida finish where there's copious amounts of interference, red mist in the face, and then mm. <laughs> and then Mio Momono would lose, and Ozaki's double champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go with that route. You like that route? <laughs> <laughs> I like Ozaki double champ, jam champ. Bring him back. Um, I, I I lean more that way. I, it's hard to go against Ozaki. I mean, I've seen her win a lot. Um, and 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 we've also seen something... her lose, in which people will pretend that people got over beating her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the the people take a beating flash win, and then all of a sudden they put her over. They're protecting her now. Um, just like Mika yeah, Wada and tough. Sendai, she's super yeah. over and champion, right? <laughs> Do we um really believe? Are you really rooting for Mia Momono fans to have a have another victory? Like, it just feels like that's not really her story arc. It's like, yeah, she won the big one in Akano, and that was great and all that. But well, it's kind of like you know, Ozaki you know, hasn't been a champion for a little while. Feels like it's coming back down to earth. I don't know. I'm going to Ozaki. Do think that's what's going to happen? I will go with the Mio Momona route, and people will pretend that she's over and finish the story. <laughs> I just, I think they can do that and still have her lose in a weird way. Because <laughs> the weird justification of fandoms. I don't know. Well, on that note of despair and predictions, uh, Mika Iwata <laughs> has done nothing but lose since she's been champion. She just lost to Dash Desako in a not title match. <laughs> she just Perfect. never defends. Smart. And then we'll take that and move on over to Stardom. Yeah, man. Believe it or not, have not discussed Stardom Supreme Fight from February 4th and the long, long, way long ago. Mm. Very good show. I massively yep. enjoyed it. Rina Yuzuki, future title match was solid. A uh, couple basic openers. We had the Tam uh, return match, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, with Tam, Tam. this new group of uh, EXV. Empress Nexus Venus. That's right. That's right. Look, Micah and Mina knew it was going to work. They're just two... They, they're two, like, opposites that attract. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, uh, oh, yeah, uh, I mean, it's a perfect time, JD, if I, be, if I may interrupt you, um, to offer condolences, right, for Ice uh, passing away um, of the tag team Fire and Ice, right? Um, in a lot of ways, there's a parallel there. 
I suppose you're right. Mm-hmm. Except, well, no, Scott Norton was champion. <laughs> sure was. So are we to call in Micah the Scott Norton of this team? I think so. I think that works. <laughs> I think it does. Okay. Hazuki, May Sarah. 15-minute time limit draw. Hatman goes out with a big time draw in a title match. Couldn't be happier. Yeah, how about <laughs> it? Yeah, right. <laughs> how about that? <laughs> this was solid. I went three and three quarters on it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I um, I was a little perturbed that Zaki didn't make it onto the actual card. Um, which, again, pre- just pre- to show scrub. you that she's out the door. Um, and she's going to go handle the book for Ooh. Rossi Untitled Project number three. And, you know, we're on to uh, bigger and better things for Saki Kashima outside starting. Yeah, that's actually a good prediction. <laughs> Thank you. This is probably not coming to fruition, but nevertheless. Okay. 13th anniversary special match. Mayu, Nanai, Utami, Azumi defeat Julia, Shuri, Mirai, and Suzu Suzuki. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes. Uh, you know, for the context fine. of this, I thought it was fine. Eight yep. man tag. Sure. Now, what's interesting is in a Meltzer report, he said, I think he said something along the lines of like six out of the eight people are leaving this promotion at this after this match or like right. come August. Like this. Yeah, right. All right. And then one of them's a freelancer. We know who that is. Nanai. And then one can't leave due to contract reasons. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> basically telling me that most people are leaving. Yeah. Most people are out the door. Um yeah, I so that's what's interesting about um you know, I how do I put this? I don't know, I do not know. Um Suzu's probably gone. No, no, Suzu is gone. Um Sori and Mirai are gone. So that's pretty much like are they saying Utami's gone? Is that, what is that the rumor? There's a lot of indicators that Utami is gonna be one of the big main eventers that's leaving stardom. Crazy. Unbelievable. I mean, we got to talk about that a little bit, but I mean, obviously, you know, Mayu's staying and, and Nani's the free agent. So you look at Izumi makes sense, right? I mean, she's pretty much been with Rossi her, since she was a teenager. Uh, Julia, we know what's happening with her. I, Tommy's the one that kind of surprised me. You know, I was like, well, she's been the champ. She's been taken care of. She was champ during the beginning of the Bushi Road merger, if I remember correctly. Yep. Uh, was that Mayu? Yeah, no, it was Tommy. And it's like, you know, you don't, yeah, yeah. I figured there'd be more of um, an instance to try to lock her down, so to speak, from Bushy Road, but I guess not. I'm wondering, so it, obviously it's whenever these contracts are up and sure. when people are going to make the moves. I think the three people, I mean, one said they were staying. Three people I'm confident are staying the most is Tam, Micah, and Mina, because so yeah. much focus is on them. Sure. I think Sauriano exactly. is going to stick around. She's a freelancer. And I think Suzu, I get the feeling Suzu signed some sort of contract like pretty recently. And I think hers is going to be up like at some other time. She's young enough to where she can. Unless it's some. Yeah. Unless it's some weird six month deal, which I don't. She can make her way to the States eventually if need be to. Kind of the sorry run and come back. Yeah. Um, I'm getting an inkling Sayakamatani is going to stay. In stardom? I think so. Oh, you know what? Yeah, that's a good call. I think so, too. I, again, I, I, Utami, maybe not, but I feel like she probably does stay as well. Starlight, though, Starlight Kid, 
You know, what's interesting about her is what, what, what Sonny was knocking her for on, on the boards. Yeah, that really know. gives me um, a, a, a hint that, she that she's, I think she's staying, yeah. Yeah, it makes me feel like she's staying. <laughs> what about Hazuki, you think? Um, It's a tough one, because you left once under Rossi's regime, came back during Road. Well, no, she left at the acquisition. She retired, quote-unquote. And then came back. Oh, yeah, she left. Yeah, because okay. Yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah, because she left when, um, um, you know, Oedo switched over. So what does that mean for? I mean, there's a lot of question marks, but the hmm. we obviously uh, post the big sumo hall Mar- March show. We'll get a lot of our answers to who's who's going first, and what's going to happen. In, yeah, I've said this before, and I said this on the last cast. The best case scenario is we get a small, a small handful of talent leave to Ogawa Promotions, RCN mm-hmm. 2.0, whether that's okay. Utami, Julia, etc. And then Stardom is left with enough main eventers, the likes of Tam, Micah, and company, and both sides are able to use funds to sign all of these free agents that are available out there. Cause there's so many that can fill in these holes. Do the talent yes. want to make the jump to do that? That's where I'm a little more hesitant, but that's my like ideal situation is we mm. are able to split these people up accordingly. And then you'd have two rosters that need filling to a lot of the talent that's available. You think they bring in, um, you think Bushiro brings in Yuki or Maya Yukihi now that Rossi and Julia are gone? I mean, that would be my like major thank God moment <laughs> that sure. Maya Yukihi's actually going to do something notable. Full resurrection. Yeah. That would be a full resurrection. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be down for that. Yeah. I'd be down for that too. I, I mean, I don't think she's going to go where Julia is, even yeah. if it's for a brief, you know, before she pops the WWE. So, you know, it does leave the door open for Bushiro to kind of come in and throw a little money at her, see what she does. Okay. Uh, Sariano. Do that def- one day. Yeah. Okay. Sariano I, I, defeats I, I, Starlight Kid, 17 minutes, 42 seconds. Wonder of Stardom title wow. match. I thought this was the best match on the show. Yep. Yep. I would agree. Totally agree. I was uh, quite shocked with that. I love the legwork. I love how mm-hmm. everything came together in the end. It was a hot finish. Then we got our main event. Micah defeats Saya Kamatani, World of Stardom title. I thought this was a good main event level worked match. I gave it the... Here's the thing. I gave both these matches full threes. I mm-hmm. gave them both four and a quarter. Nice. I just liked the format of Ano Starlight Kid more, and I thought it was... I, I guess the style just worked more for me. Sure. Even though I think they were kind of equal in in quality, uh, I'm gonna love this Micah World Title reign as long as we keep getting matches like this, and we yeah. keep getting matches of importance. And if the house shows are any indicator that we're still gonna build to things like this over time, then I'm not as doom and gloom with the potential wacky bookers that are at Bushy Road. But I mean. Upon today and recording here and finishing up, they announced the Cinderella thing, and I guess I'll have more thoughts over that <laughs> later. But that doesn't give me much hope either. So I'm kind really, of fifty-fifty right, yeah. right now. 
I like Micah as the champ. I think that it's great. Kind of how I saw her play as champion is coming to fruition. Um, I think she's ready for the role. You know, I think they you know groomed her the right way to kind of get her ready for this. I think Shuri's run. Um, I think it was by accident, followed. though. Well, sure. I mean, it was kind of uh, circumstantial, right? Right, in a lot of ways. But you know, doesn't mean just because. Let's put it this way: if they're going to hand you the ball, you got to be ready to run with it. You and know she what I mean? certainly was. How you got so the that's ball, fair enough, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, and I think that as a fan, we've kind of clamored for like a Micah run, right? In a lot of ways. Now, maybe not our first choice, so to speak, but <laughs> Micah fans were like, she could. She's got potential to have a really interesting run with the power and the strength and the moveset. And I think she's delivering right now um, on those, um, you know, those those, those um, questions. And so that's really exciting um, for what could be looked at as kind of a lemonade situation because you never like to see the discord, um, you know, it, within the roster or with management or whatever the case may be. Um, but that said, <clears throat> I would agree with you that the Wonder match I thought was stronger. Uh, I think I just like Starlight Kid's style, even to this day, more so than Saya Kamatani's style. I like Saya for what she is. I think as a champion, uh, Saya, I tend to gravitate more towards. But as a challenger, I just think that Starlight kind of climbing that ladder uh, or climbing the mountain, so to speak, has always kind of been a, um, well, it's always been there, right? (laughs) She's never actually won the damn thing. But it's uh, it's always been more fun to kind of watch her climb that mountain more so than Saya in a weird way because like Saya's kind of been there before you kind of expect it type of situation. So yeah, I would tend to agree with you that I found the Wonder to be better than the World. I think overall as a show, and we don't say this enough, mainly because I tend to watch a lot of the independents. It was a and again, Stardom's so consistent at doing this. Um, now Stardom, right? Because of Rossi mm, Pro Stardom is <laughs> Stardom, right? Is uh, God, I, man, if I was an anti-Stardom, I would have so much fun right now. Are you kidding me? Oh, <laughs> uh, until they come in and steal all my Joshi favorites for Rossi's new promotion, and Bushra pays the rest of them to go away. I man, I'd be having a field day right now until six months from now. You know what? Anyway, I'm I'm glad well, you actually brought up like pay scale. Yeah, I found multiple sources that that kind of say the same thing where the Bushi Road acquisition didn't really lead to more money as in a salary jump for a lot of the players. That should be a merch grab, right? Now merch was a different story, but their actual sure. like salary pay yeah. uh didn't change all that much. So this idea <laughs> that Bushi Road's gonna throw a bunch of money at these wrestlers to stay and not go with Ogawa I think loyalty plays into that. And with sure. this, this money thing, uh, it, it's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, the math isn't mathing <laughs> with how, with how these salary structures are working. And if that's true, then I'm also leaning towards Bushi road. Isn't throwing money around right now. I mean, look at new Japan. They've just sure. lost so much top talent. Because but make no mistake, stardom is going full freelance um, injection come this exodus, right? Or like even if it's like a soft, like losing people and like more of a, uh, a slow rollout kind of thing, mm-hmm. they're going to replace with cheaper options, maybe fun options at the beginning, right? But you're going to see a lot of, don't be surprised if you see all cap Saki come back in. Don't be surprised if you see some, um, you know, uh, veteran freelancers find their way back in. They're going to work for, you know, lack of better phrasing, a hot dog and a handshake. Like that's 
cost management for Bushi Road is they kind of refine their footing. Yeah, know, I mean, this is essentially the Chicago Cubs and Pittsburgh Pirates cutting payroll here and starting yeah, over. Yeah, starting over. And so, you know, again, it, anyway, what I find to be interesting about that whole side of it is... Um, I guess Ottawa you know, Senators and Detroit Red Wings would be another one. <laughs> throwing the hockey references in there, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that, you know, when it comes to you know, who leaves, who stays, and then how the rosters are fleshed out um, in between, right? Um, ultimately, we're going to find ourselves in a position where, you know, the stardom you have is is gone. People tend to kind of apply Western business ideas to Japanese wrestling, and they it never pans out the way you think it's going to. Um, I don't know, and it's a weird thing to say I on a podcast because, you know, <laughs> I feel like sometimes I'm one of the only ones that actually say I don't know what the dynamics will be in Japan um, once these the split does begin to happen. But to your point, it's not going to be like a WWE AEW situation, right? Where it's like, who can go out and get the best free agents and, and pay them the most money? It's going to be, you know, how can we run consistent shows? How can we maximize value of the, of the money that we're spending? How can we get a decent return? Um, be conservative with how we go about it until we kind of get our footing and get a plan in place to be able to grow this thing again, uh, if they even decide to grow it at all. Um, and loyalty, politics, relationships, um, uh, trainer mentorships, um, who brought you in, like all of that is just as important as a paycheck in a lot of ways. And that has been proven time and time again in, in you know, um, these different promotions over the course of the years. And so, you know, people tend to just kind of take the easy way out and, and apply Western, you know, what they see happening over stateside. And like, well, that's what's going to happen in Japan. It's like, well, no, <laughs> if anything, historically, they've proven that that's not the case, right? Like who right. you were trained by matters. Like, again, if Mia Momono, for example, is as such a hot ticket item as people on Twitter make her out to be. And again, I love Mia. That's not the point. The point is, is like she would be somewhere bigger and better and better right now than Oz Academy and or Marvelous and or any of the independents. The fact of the matter is, is that she's loyal. Um, they're loyal to her and everybody respects uh, within the industry, um, you know, where you kind of came from and what your expectations are with the people that brought you in. People tend to discount that when things like this happen. I think they shouldn't. There you go. We'll leave it at that. JPQ, thanks for joining me. I think we're done here. Yeah, buddy. See you. All right. Swerving when we drive. AEW, Ricky, we're back. We got the drinks ready and we're going. Yeah, let's hit it. Yeah, got the boiler going on. I got the heater in front of me and I got, let's see, what is this called? I got, let me get the manual. <laughs> okay, yep, get the book. What are the, you drinking today? The book says I am drinking what's called Golden Gate. <laughs> Light rum, gin, 151 proof dark rum, lemon juice, cream de cacao, and then uh, instead of Falernum, which is some yeah. thing I clearly do not have, 
Sure. I have replaced that with a splash of triple sec, orange curacao, and lime juice. That sounds good. How is it? Well, I haven't had a taste yet. It's a it's a very yellowy type drink. Yeah. Very kind of clear. I'm not surprised it's like golden in color. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 right? <laughs> a drink called Golden Gate is indeed golden. So here we go. I forgot it was even called Golden Gate. I was just thinking of the ingredients, but how does it taste? Oh, that's good. Yeah. I'm not I I might need you to send me that recipe cuz it sounds delicious. Yeah, falernum is like some crazy almond and a ton of spices type liquor, aperitif or something. But do not have that. I'm discovering I need to buy like a ton of these different things. <laughs> I think I think my cocktail bar at home is more spruced up than many bars these days. But look, cocktails are coming back. You can see it happening. No, it's definitely I think like old school cocktails are coming back too. Like Negronis are trending right now, which is like one of the most classic cocktails of all time. Right? Like all of a sudden Campari yeah. is found in all cars. these bars. Yeah, sidecars. Campari, yeah. We'll Godfathers. Get... And yeah, people are bringing back the old school cocktails for sure. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, when I was at. I love um, it. I love it. When I was at Magic Mountain in Vermont, because I just got back from almost a week's oh, vacation yeah. of snowboarding, uh, I'm at the bar after a couple runs and I'm exhausted and then a guy comes up uh, next to me <laughs> and he, he orders at the bar. He's like, can I have a Tom Collins? And I'm, I like did a double take. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, Oh, hold on. Excuse me. What did you just order? <laughs> he goes to Tom Collins. I'm like, I don't think they have half that stuff here. And sure enough, the bartender no. goes, we don't have any, we don't have any sour mix. And I'm like, Oh yeah. The bar doesn't have sour mix. A lot of bars, like, believe is it or not. Tom Collins is just a vodka sour with a splash of soda. Um, who doesn't have sour mix? The bar anyway. at the ski slopes. That's dumb. Yeah. So That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, considering margarita is the most popular cocktail in the country. So they have pre-made margarita mix at a lot of these bars. I mean. Yes, but okay, whatever. Anyway. Yeah, irritates you, right? Sorry. My my 16 years of restaurant experience are just getting <laughs> really... <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> okay, so our, uh, our block together will consist of some uh, brief AEW kind of discussion. Uh, we're getting more loose and friendly based with these for the time being. And uh, we got yeah. New Japan New Beginning. I think we'll have a lot more to discuss there, a lot more interest heading on along New Japan and its future. And then, boy, oh boy, it's pay-per-view time. WCW Uncensored 2000. Holy shit. Did we put that off or what? Oh, boy, do I have notes. Can't believe it. It took me like a week. I don't have match notes because you know how WCW matches are. I just have comments about the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of an overall base on that end. Uh, okay, so yeah. played Swerve's music for a reason. Um, look, the AEW world title scene is, I think, well-built with Samoa Joe and Swerve and Hangman. I do have an issue with the three-way being put in, because then we've seen this now a couple times with AEW, where mm-hmm. if they don't want the world title to be the main event, they essentially make the match 
weaker than it should be, I think by design, to make the match above it be more important. In this case, the Sting tag match. Okay. That's fair. However, I think the three-way is by design, not just because Dwarf and Hangman are, like, equally footed. I mean, this is all carefully carefully orchestrated. I think a three-way was always the plan um, because either Joe wins and retains or Swerve wins by pinning Joe and Hangman can say, well, you still haven't beaten me. So I understand the story that they're going for. I think I believe if AEW wants to avoid the Western tropes, that's where my mind's at in these days, is focused on how AEW can be a alternative and be a more exciting product that way. Otherwise, because we're seeing kind of the further downfall of Impact TNA, and that's kind of in my oh. mind what I'm comparing directly to these days, because okay. TNA, now it's called TNA, uh, just fired or let go Scott Demore. Oh, whom has, yeah. I don't think he's a great booker by any means, but he's kept the show consistent over time. And mm -hmm. I get the ideals that he wanted to spend a little bit more money, but clearly the free agents that he was going for uh, aren't ideal in this world, namely the Dana Brooke. And I'm okay with the Dolph Ziggler, Nick Nemeth signing. I'm, I'm okay with that, but. Did they sign him? Yeah, they signed him. And the, the way, oh. look, the way TNA, they have a taping schedule and a pay-per-view schedule. So you don't need to be there by the week. That's why he can also head on over to New Japan and do his thing there, uh, along with many other talents. The issue surrounding TNA at this point in time and what it used to be was signing a lot of these ex-WWE people, pushing them above talent. We know the story. Where Scott Demore comes in is his ideals of seemingly always wanting to copy whatever the number one promotion in America is when it, even when it came down to booking and that's more or less what I'm focused on with AEW and how they can be different. Cause we've already seen what a company tries to be. I mean, shit, we see it in w, uh, WCW in our rewatches, especially throughout 1999, 2000, they're becoming more and more just copying what WWF is doing down to even characters as AEW really doing that i don't think they are but things like booking a three-way for the world title isn't my idea of an alternative that's to me kind of more of a cop-out and you can still tell the same stories without being a three-way if you if swerve's going to win this title i would have rather them do the draw they have the rankings they can play into and he still gets the title shot because he's still ranked above hangman and then he beats Joe, and then you can just continue the story from there, because Hangman say, you didn't beat me in yeah. this calendar year, etc. You get what I'm going with. I do, I do. But I think one thing, and I'm not saying you've lost this point, I'm just saying one of the points that I think, one of the storyline points that I think the wider audience, is, audience has lost is that Hangman doesn't necessarily want the title. He wants to keep it from Swerve. That is his motivation, is to prevent Swerve from winning the title. And he is best positioned to do that by being in the match. Yeah, um, the, I think the larger issue is, at this point, he shouldn't be in the match at all. 
because he didn't beat Swerve. He was ranked That's below fair. him, et cetera, et cetera. That, like, there's a lot of different. Yeah, I do. Ag- I, yeah. I understand your logic, um, but I don't mind because I like the story that they're telling. So I guess we'll find out what happens at Revolution. Uh, I'm more or less of the prediction that Joe is just going to retain because he's coming off as just an uber badass, as he does uh, generally, while Swerve yeah. and Hangman are kind of doing their thing. Uh, we'll see. I, I I think any outcome would be exciting um, and refreshing. Doesn't matter. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, the road to Revolution is is a is a has been a strong one, a fun one. Um, hashtag restore the feeling. <laughs> uh, I think. Uh, I mean, we're we're rebuilding the women's division. We're getting ready for. Oh, we haven't discussed big business. Yes, there is big business. Big business, March what thirteenth or something. Yes, in Boston, which is a hell of a trek to get to these days. Um, I was asked yeah, if I'm going to big business because sure. it's in my neck of the woods, and I just got to go look. Um, Okada, Sasha Banks, they're not wrestling. They're gonna just mm-hmm. show up. I personally yeah. need more than that as a fan. If I'm going to, because very much financially, I got a lot of things going on. That's yeah. where big points is. I just spent a ton of money on this snowboarding vacation. Um, but okay. the, the reality is, even if I get into the, into the building ticket, it's still going to cost me mm. uh, X amount of, of time and gas to get there. Another twenty thirty dollars okay. to park. Plus, a beer or two, because I'm not going to drink a beer or two. That's just, come on, that's just not going to happen. So that's another fucking thirty dollars. I'm looking right. at 150 dollars for a night in which I'm not going to see the people I want to see wrestle. I, I understand that, and I un- also understand that this is not an apples to apples comparison. But being in the building for CM Punk first dance, mm-hmm. I mean. It was just electric. I there's no other feeling I've ever had as a wrestling fan. Actually, there's there's two other feelings I've had as a wrestling fan that are that kind of compare. Um, the first one was being at the first Double or Nothing, right? Because didn't know what to expect. Just walking sure. into that building was a vibe. And the same thing being on the first Jericho Cruise, um, just the anticipation and not knowing. Uh, especially with punk and with big business, like you're like 99.9% sure of what you're going to see. Mm-hmm. But there's like that, that little doubt in your mind, especially for the punk one, right? Like, there's like that little doubt. That's like, well, what if it's not that? What if it's something else completely, you know? And just like, that is the best part of being a wrestling fan is getting worked. Right. But also being pleasantly surprised. So I would encourage you to, if it fits your budget, I would encourage you to go. I understand that it's inconvenient. Um, but Jason and I were even talking about coming because we obviously have free lodging <laughs> in the New England area. Yeah. So we considered it. Yeah. It's... Um, ultimately, we decided it was a bad choice for us because ugh, the, the dogs and everything. But, oh, man, I 
The other tough, the other tough thing, in... as I've discovered the lat, you know, the previous couple times that I went was getting out of that area in Boston, even if it's at the Agnes Arena, that's still an issue because that's mm. even worse parking. Right. Is the show's not over until 10, 11 o'clock, 1130 if I stay through Rampage and whatnot. It's in yeah. another hour or so plus drive back and I got to get up to for work at 4 a.m. That's true. It's um, it's obviously, it's really hard and financially it's not in my benefit. Very tough. Yeah, I get it. I would I like it. to obviously, use bowling yeah. as an excuse. That is bowling night, but I already qualified for the U.S. Mm. Open coming this summer. Oh, congratulations! I don't know if I'm gonna go. That's a big deal. Yeah. Well, I qualified okay, last year for Reno, and I didn't go because of well financials. But this year it's in Baton Rouge. Uh, where is it? Yeah. Uh July, in Baton Rouge. Oh, I do not want to be in Louisiana in July. <laughs> that sounds miserable. Yeah, that would bring. I mean, I would stay with friends in like Lafayette or something, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh my goodness. It'd be rough. I'd have to drive down there, but. Um, drive. I'd have to drive down there. Oh, yeah. Why? Oh, because of your equipment. Yes. And I, I look, I went to I went to Vegas for the U.S. Open a number of years ago, and I only brought my max of three balls that I could afford to bring over at the time. Okay. And that was such a mistake. I need so much more equipment for professional shots and professional difficulties. For a tournament, yeah. And that just right. it, that just limits me so I mean, I did place in the top, I don't know, 250 or whatever it was back then. I did make my money oh. in the flight back, which was my trip, because I just stayed with my uncle who lives in Vegas. So okay. yeah. I kind of want to make some money this time <laughs> I'm making that kind of trip. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, I got a lot of choices. I got that snowboard itch back real bad. <laughs> God, it's tough. Um, yeah, I you have to, really you have to come go. out here during ski season. I know, I saw that. And I'm that like, a... uh, how do I do this? How do I we, make it work? <laughs> well, so what we'll do is, so ski season lasts through like April, May. Um, so we could, theoretically, if the stars aligned, he could do skiing, Lucha Libre laughs, and a Rockies game or an Avs game, <laughs> theoretically. Yeah, there's so there's so many like vacations I got to plan and everything. Lake Tahoe was on the list for next year. Ooh, I would love to do Lake Tahoe. Have, oh, Moab, Moab, somewhere in that region because my brother lives in Northern California, so you could easily make the trek out there. Anyways. Getting off topic. Road to Revolution. Yeah, sorry. Okay. AEW. Yeah. Swerve. Okay. Let's go. Okay. Well, we're talking about um, banks. Banks coming into AEW. That's, I think that's huge. Right. Uh, the women's division. I mean, let's talk about it. It's been a while. The women's division has clearly gone over a major undertaking in 2024. And it's been a slow development with the signing of Mariah May, Deanna Peraza being the top two. I still aren't. I'm still not a fan of the timeless Tony character and the matches that ensue because of it. And Julia Hart's been largely off television. I think she has an injury. Uh, so that's two gimmicks, two heavy gimmicks op, uh, occupying the current titles, along with now two ROH titles. I think you're segregating. Is that even the right word? I think you're splitting apart the women's roster between the two companies too okay. much. Uh, between AW and ROH? Yeah. 
Okay. I want a clear segregation of rosters. I don't think it's for the men. There's enough talent. Ring of Honor. For the men, there's yeah, enough talent. I don't talent. think it's doing Ring of. I don't think it's doing Ring of Honor any favors to have their belts defended on AW television. No one's going out of their way to watch Ring of Honor if they're seeing Ring of Honor talent on AW TV. Uh, you got to have some you sort need of to exposure. Make it some exposure, but just have them show up, have them do a promo, have them. Oh, I, I see. Not like actually wrestle or with the titles. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Challenge them. Challenge them all you want. Um, I just, I just don't think it's. I don't want to see Ring of Honor fail in this iteration. I think it's struggling, and I think it's oh, it's because for sure of struggling. The mix of and I think it's because it's too intertwined with AEW. I, I think don't that's a know fair what statement. the answer is. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, it's My a good thing it's not our job to figure that out. It's just our job as fans to kind of watch and critique it and see what we like and don't like. The Okay, so mm. we have... I, I, I am loosely enjoying this Perazzo tony Storm build because it is still heavily focused okay. i'm loving the queen amanada showcase throughout 2024 Holy i think cow. she's easily did you watch her? i think she's easily been her? the mvp of the women's division throughout the, this calendar year and that led to her rampage match in which she faced anna jay and got the big graphic got the big graphic did you watch her interview with renee i didn't watch On that YouTube. can you enlighten me i highly recommend you go out of the way so Renee finally, I don't know why she hasn't been doing this the whole time, had a sit down, a serious sit down mm-hmm. interview with Queen Aminata, like the complete, complete opposite of Hey EW, mm-hmm. right? Um, our wrestlants are as far polar opposites as you can imagine, but their okay. chemistry is great, RJ and Renee. I love them together. I love them doing the pre-shows and uh, they're, they're both incredibly talented in different ways. Uh Renee is just so good at these interviews. She is a, she's a serious journalist. Um, and I think that gets forgotten. And this inter I mean, Queen Amanada's story is incredibly compelling, first of all. Um she is African born. Yep. The first woman, uh the first African born woman to be signed to a major wrestling contract in the United States. So she makes history there. But um the whole story is just incredibly compelling. Renee is an incredibly incredible interviewer, and it's not even that long. Um, it's not a big chunk of your day to go out of the way to watch it, um, but I definitely recommend it. Yeah, I've been a big proponent of Queen Amanada for just years and years at this point. Uh, sure. Going back to even my Patreon articles where I wrote about her and put her higher and higher up the list as as time went on. I think she was a top prospect to sign and looking forward to more of her work. Uh, this division mm-hmm. looks very solid and more and more complete by the day. And on Collision specifically, we're, now we're getting about two women's matches a, a week. It's been consistent now. It's a pattern. Uh, things are changing. And what, have we, what did we say for the past four years? It's not because the network or someone over there didn't want to put them on. It's the structure of the show in which Tony Khan wants 
that much is incredible. And not for lack Whoa. of. What did you send? <laughs> oh, the. Uh... Oh, just the link to the just the link to the Queen Amanada interview. Okay. But also not for lack of talent either. Um, it's been a relatively a strong women's roster the past, maybe not from the beginning, but for the past two years at least, they kept adding um, people and people keep improving. So. I mean, these are clear moves made because Sasha Banks is coming in. Because Sasha, because Mercedes is coming, right? Yeah. I mean, you cannot bring in a talent at her level without making her opponents feel legit. <laughs> you have to make the moves. Um, otherwise, doing I mean, it. So I think finally, finally, it's happening. We've, we've mentioned it. We've mentioned it. Like, otherwise, if they didn't start building the, if they didn't start building them up, they're just going to, she would just come in and trounce all over everybody. And it's kind of what the point, what's the point? Yeah. Now, there is still the issue of compelling and good matches because on the last couple sure. pay-per-views, last three even, uh, the matches have not delivered. And even at this point of what we're recording, there has not been one good to great women's match on television for AEW in quite some time. Is Has there been like average matches passable? Sure. All of them, in my opinion, have involved Queen Aminata. Because they've been made That's to be that true. way. <laughs> That's true. Uh, oh, and Red Velvet. Red Velvet's back. She's putting in, put on some decent matches. Not all of them have hit the way they should have. Not all of them have hit, but she is also looking incredibly strong in defeat. Um, happy with her trajectory as well. Yeah. Uh, there's a clear storyline going on with Statlander and Willow with Stokely Hathaway. I think this is leading to Stokely bringing in Megan Bain and possibly someone else to go against him. And boy, is that a beyond wrestling story. Going. I didn't know where I was going. Megan Bain makes sense. A hundred percent. I forgot she's coming back. She's coming and off that just all of that. excellent stardom run that she had. A lot of turmoil in that company right now. Uh, <laughs> no, I know, uh, and I'm sure you've talked about it or will talk about it, but um, the whole thing with the Stokely story, I'm just like, in my brain, I'm like, okay, all of these guys, all these guys, meaning Chris, Willow, and Stokely, they've known each other for years from the oh, New yeah. England scene. So in my brain, it's just like, I feel like I'm on the inside. I understand that they're all friends in real life and they think it would be fun. Obviously, there is some sort of end goal for the TV story. I couldn't figure it out, but uh, Megan Bain, again, coming from the New England scene. Yeah. But uh, that makes so much sense. Now I'm, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, because there's no reason to actually turn Willow or Statlander heel. They're just too good of baby faces. Right. And then Megan Bain makes yeah, a perfect heel. AW. And AEW wasn't great at creating baby faces, so it would be really <laughs> stupid to turn. Yeah, to turn them. Who do you think would be a good fit with Megan AW... Bain? Or do they need a second at all? Oh, that's it. Alex Windsor. Osprey's little girlfriend. <laughs> I, Which I, mean... I only found out that I only found that out uh, by watching New Beginnings. By the way, I didn't. Anytime he was talking about his. His misses or his woman uh -huh. or whatever. Like, obviously, Alex Winter has been on my radar for ages. Sure. I did not know that she was his girlfriend <laughs> until New Beginnings. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, And I didn't even... I, I, I think she and 
she would be great. What about what's her face? The other British girl. Uh, Nita Samuels. Nah, I don't think she's all that good. Not ready. No. I mean, it doesn't even have to be British. Um. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, no, obviously not. I'm trying to. I mean, I'd I, love Windsor. Her, give, her like, knees have heels. something something else to say about wrestling. Yeah, I was just thinking good heels. Um. On the indies, I don't know who's left anymore. You know what would be really funny? Not that this mm. should happen, but I'd like to see Stokely bring in Yuka Sakazaki with Megan Bain. <laughs> oh my god! Yuka with a leather jacket, just being this tiny Japanese girl <laughs> with Megan Bain—that would just be super hilarious to me. No, and honestly, it would help get Megan over. As a heel, too. Yeah, and Yuka would have a uh, an excellent talker to go with. The, the AEW crowd already loves Yuka, even though it's been a limited exposure. Long time, yeah. Um, most of the AEW crowd is not familiar with Megan Bain. So if you want to get her over instantly, pair her with Yuka. Um, she was... Megan Bain was in a dark match the dynamite i was at in colorado springs gotta look it up it was oh goodness okay so give me one sec while i look that up hang on because it was i think her her partner might have been maki ito <laughs> she might have been on the opposing side i don't remember hang on give me one, one really funny <laughs> give me one sec I have to I have to find this. Okay, uh, well you Colorado do that. Springs. I will Colorado I will well no, nah, I kinda wanna talk about this and that's kind of my last topic I really wanna discuss. Oh. oh it was um a dark match. It was Mucky Ito and Willow Nightingale on the same side versus Emmy Sakura and Megan Bain. Oh, Sakura and Megan Bain, that would be good too. And that actually would work for TV. That would work. Too. Yeah. Fuck it. Yuka and Emmy. Emmy is get them both together. <laughs> Emmy's so over. Yeah, not bad. All right. So we got our fantasy booking out of the way. But the point is, someone okay. paired with Megan <laughs> in immediate tag feud to go with uh, Statlander and Willow. That would be, I think, good TV. Uh, good for the women's division to go along with I agree. the building. I agree. Um, I'm just trying to think. I'm looking and thinking about the New England indie scene right now if there are any heel women that were nah, not overlooking really. kind of went through them all I, it was really those three um yeah uh, the major name i feel like there are a lot of really talented women in new england right now but none that are quite tv ready no no let, um, them, let them cook so, on the indie scene much longer exactly exactly okay so there's actually two topics uh, one is everything involving the Don Callis family. That's the Jericho storyline. Takeshita. Takeshita is now going to face Will Ospreay at the pay-per-view. How are you feeling about all this? Good enough? I mean, I'm thrilled that we're getting Takeshita Ospreay. I don't know that I <laughs> care about the, about the storyline. Um... It's very weak. It's a weak storyline. It's I think it's yeah. lost its way many moons ago, but we're getting a good match out of it, so it's tough to complain at that point when you're just go throwing out 
something of that caliber on pay-per-view. I'm not mad at the match. <laughs> yeah. Certainly wish we'd be moving this along a lot differently. The Sting Young Buck storyline, I think, is hitting uh, extremely well. I do wish the Darby promo from the other day referenced and was very upset about the whole beatdown and the blood and all that. But instead, he went very, very weirdly meta with it, which I, I don't know. We watch a, we watch enough of that on WCW. I don't need to see a lot of that in AEW. Yeah, I didn't hate it at the time. I'm glad that I'm glad that the promo that you wanted did air on Rampage. Um, I agree that should have been the dynamite. I didn't hate the promo in the moment. Yeah, and I'm not saying it was terrible or anything. It's just, come on, guy, you just got. It's wrestling 101 where you just you get beaten down, you're bloodied to a pulp. Your partner's sons also get the shit kicked out of them. The Bucks are douchebags and they're coming in with they're they're still wearing the bloody jackets. It's like I don't know how you don't how you don't bring something like that up. It's it's kind of a miss in that aspect. It's the promo he gave on Rampage, and I think it was too little, too late. Yeah, it was it was too late at that point. Uh, but I'm really into the match. I love seeing the discourse online that the Young Bucks are getting it. It's hilarious to me. It's like, oh, you guys are very upset at the heels. <laughs> I, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Not not just the, oh, my God, the, the Young Buck. Uh, they've always done this, though. Like, it's not new. It they've done reason. this since 2019. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and heel Bucks are the best Bucks. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this match. Uh, that's, to me, a pay-per-view caliber and a good send-off match for Sting. Look, the dude's had, essentially, four retirements at this point, and this feels like the last, last one. They're doing it the best they can at his current age. I got no issue with this. Uh, and there's the ongoing Blackpool Combat Club against CMLL story. This has been fantastic. I've loved every match, all the iterations, all the different wrestlers, uh, it's even better because I've gotten so much into CMLL over the last yes. like 16 months or so. Uh, just yeah. seeing Star Jr. as Finge, especially Hechicero. I fucking love that guy. The Danielson-Hechicero match yeah. was amazing. The, the dude comes out with balls of fire, and I'm just going, that's some good metamorphic rocks you got in your hand. Burn that shit away. <laughs> okay, so part of the reason why, I mean, this wasn't like a deciding factor necessarily, but when Jason and I were talking about maybe going to Boston for big business, like if we go, we're going to miss the lo local Lucha show, which is on March 10th, starring Echicero. Oh, you got to <laughs> go. I was like, I'm like, I would rather see Echicero wrestle than Mercedes at a promo. <laughs> right. Exactly. You'd rather see the people um, wrestle. I sent you the poster for this one. So I I dismissed this one at first because when they first put the poster out, I only recognized a handful of names. Uh -huh. And I was like, Ugh. you know, I was like, and, and it's not cheap. Tickets, I think the cheapest ticket is $35, which is a lot for an indie show in my brain. But um, Yeah, it's offsetting the cost for the fly-ins, obviously. Okay. So the main event is Echicero versus JTG. <laughs> I don't 
know who that is. JTG? The, you tell the me du- about JTG. The WWE rap guy from I don't know. From uh, what was, the what main was their name? They were uh, Crime Time. Oh. Think it's so him. that's the main event. That's the main event. <laughs> uh, Boy, what a match Sam that is! Crime is... Time versus Echicero, the Alchemist. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, Semi main is Templario versus Mascaro Dorada. Oh, what? Yeah. You have to go. Yeah. You have to I go. I know. <laughs> that was the one that I was like, that was the one that I wanted to see. And everything else on the card, I was like, eh. but then it I saw Echizero on AW and I was like, I'm in. Um, there's a women's match, Renee, Mis- M- the Renee Michelle versus, I don't know how to say this, Zeusis. 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 Well, Renee Michelle's no good, but I like Zeusis. Um, She's from Puerto Rico. She's all right. She's hot, at least. Well, yeah. <laughs> at least she's hot. Um, <laughs> uh, Fuego versus local Luchador Delta Jr. Okay. Um, the Provider, who's a local wrestler, versus a, somebody named Virus. And your local indie's way better than Beyond now. Oh, this upsets me. <laughs> and, and this is just the Lucha promotion that doesn't know how to promote themselves at all yeah. and this is the okay i don't know if you saw this sorry we're getting so off the aw topic it's okay um, i'm about to press pause and make another that, cocktail <laughs> that yeah i'm ready for that too uh, but this is the promotion that reached out to matt cardona uh via email okay and just said like he he screenshotted it and posted it to twitter this is why i know about it it reached out to Matt Cardona and they just said like, Hey, are you free on March 10th? Like that was like the extent of the Okay. <laughs> um, to be fair, the promoter is English is not his first language. He's a native Spanish speaker. I don't know if he's of Mexican descent, but whatever. He's definitely a native Spanish speaker. Um but like the quality of uh, talent that they get in national and international talent, I think should speak for itself. Matt Cross is a regular that comes out. Um, we're getting Echicero. You know, other luchadors have come through. Uh, the Lucha Brothers have been through before. Um, plenty of well-known talent. And so, fortunately, a lot of people on Twitter responded to Matt Cardona and they're like, hey, don't judge these guys too quickly. Like, they're a legit promotion. They just aren't good business people. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, but they will take care of you. Like, people keep returning and wrestling for right. them. Okay. Because clearly, um, I had a whole Twitter interaction too with um, talking about this Lucha promotion um, with the promoter of Lucha Libre and Laughs. And he his commentary was just like, don't know how these guys are still in business because they are terrible (laughs) at business (laughs) well enjoy it while you can then yeah you got it i mean templario hechicero and mascara dorada they're the hottest things in lucha next to mystico in in arena mexico so you gotta go mystico's been mystico's been through i mean like they're they're past um what's their uh what's their attendances about do you know I don't because I, well I've been to the venue but are they pretty full or not really? 
from the, so I've never been to one of their events. I've seen photos and videos of their events and they seem pretty packed. If I had to guess the max at this venue is 500. Um, and that's a like maybe overestimating, um, like 500 at the absolute most. Hmm. But it right. is, okay. Um, well, anyway. anyways, very excited for anything involving CMLL and Blackpool combat club. Uh, what do you say yeah, I hit the pause button on this? Because that's actually that's an actual thing I can do now, which is pretty sick. What? And uh, we fill up our cocktails. All right, sounds good. We'll be back in a few. Okay, um, we're back. I have made a new cocktail. What are you drinking now? So this is called Isle of Blessed Coconut. You'd be shocked yes. to know it has I'm coconut, coconut in it. <laughs> gross, gross. I will never ask you for that recipe. Ugh, no, I'm you don't like those... coconut? Not a pina colada I'm type fan? I just cannot, mm -mm, cannot mm -hmm. handle it. So I will be directly comparing this to a pina colada. Uh, it's got pretty okay. much a lot of the same ingredients so let's uh see what's going on here it even looks like one too and so what else is in it besides the coconut rum is it like a malibu what is in there so it's a lot of uh lime lemon juice sugar it's got orange juice in it so it brings up the acidity quite a lot oh it's coconut and orange juice yeah strange right it feels like it's closer to a scorpion bowl, actually, or like a or, or like a different kind of hurricane. What are the ingredients, please? Uh, well, rum, coconut, and then everything else I just named: <laughs> lemon, lime, orange juice. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So my first intense drinking experience. You're supposed to. You're supposed to add. Like coconut slices, which I do not have. But yeah, that's stupid. I, I you know, that. garnishes never really make the drink for me. Well, here's the thing about a garnish. Um you're supposed to put it on the rim of a glass and position your straw right next to the garnish. So that way when you take a sip, you smell the garnish. And that enhances flavors as you drink. Mm. Um, well, my, let's just go with my of sense of smell is lousy. However, <laughs> however, my first ever drinking to excess experience was when I was 15. I was in France mm. where you can get booze when you're, you know, nine or whatever. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, Love Europe. <laughs> And I was there on a school trip. Somebody bought a bottle of Malibu, and I don't know why the mixer that they bought was orange juice. Huh. Malibu and orange juice. Sounds disgusting to me. I mean, I don't like coconut to begin with, but it was disgusting. And then we played Never Have I Ever. 
I'm not going to say... Still a fun game to play to this day. Um, <laughs> depends on the company. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was a very prude 15-year-old, so I don't remember how I got as drunk as I did. You were try- probably playing the opposite way. <laughs> have I, I was, ever? No, I was playing. I was playing right. You were playing um, have I ever. But it was 15. <laughs> I was 15. I had never really drank before. Mm. So, um, I definitely spent the evening nothing. Okay. So, New Japan. Do you That's think... That's not why I don't like coconut. I just... I'm okay. not a coconut person to begin with. I definitely prefer pina coladas over this, for the record. Okay, fair enough. Not as good... Not as good as the Golden Gate I just had. But it is pretty, it's actually pretty similar in taste because it has, yeah, it has a lot of the same things in it, especially what I just did. It's essentially gin versus more sugar and acid. So the gin clearly offsets. I just can't even like begin to think about what that might taste like because coconut automatically turns me off. Well. I'm I'm a big fan of the coconut. I do though. enjoy this. I do enjoy the smell of Hawaiian Tropic, though. Ooh. The, my next project is getting used to egg whites in my cocktails. So that's uh, stay tuned. Anyways. Oh. Okay. Well. Okay. That's yeah. a whole New topic. Japan. Do you think big business Sasha Banks Mercedes Monet is gonna make another appearance for the New Japan? Hundred percent. You think so? I don't know. I don't know when or where, but yes, a hundred percent. Okay. I mean, she'll probably be under. I mean, she's been under contract with AW for months. If we can, you know, if that can be believed, but uh, yeah, she'll definitely show back up for New Japan. Not. Yeah, I'm wondering what capacity because obviously the big, the big question mark is with Stardom and its incoming or <laughs> exiting Exodus. That's going to happen after the Mar- the big March show. I- uh, what does that mean? Does that mean the folding of stardom potentially? Does it mean uh, just a straight up women's division for New Japan shows? I guess we'll see. Uh, we could break that. We could break that down for weeks and weeks and months and months. But I'm I'm certainly at the point of it's no use talking about all of the potential and speculation. All we know is talent is leaving, and then depending on the amount that leaves. And certainly in star power capabilities, depends if the promotion folds or not. That's how that's that's the doom and gloom we're looking at. So we yeah. could be looking at a future where it is just a number of people just coming into New Japan for shows and house shows, uh, doing one-off uh, circumstances. And Sasha Banks comes in for one of the two titles left behind. Uh, as for New beginning, they had a very healthy attendance uh, for the Osprey go-away show in the Okada-Tanahashi last match. Because Okada is, well, he's a free agent. All signs point to he's signing with AEW. Um, Yeah, uh, the the undercard, I thought, was very much just kind of there. it all kind of began with the Okada-Tanahashi match in my mind that went almost 17 minutes. I thought it was a great send-off for Okada. And he's had a lot of send-offs prior to this last Cork and Hall match, last this, last that. 
um, this was his big send-off, and now they're just kind of doing tags to finish out the tour. Sapporo one last time. Uh, I got no issue with how they're doing Okada, and, I mean, we've been talking about kind of the pushing the new talent in New Japan uh, for two years now, and they just haven't done anything with these guys, and people are really focusing on Okada being the one leaving as kind of the scapegoat. I I think you got to focus on the booking of the young guys. We thought a lot was going to begin with Yota Suji at Dominion. I thought that was a great first move. There's the Shota Umino-Will Ospreay match we could point to. But these guys haven't won anything. These guys haven't really been booked in any programs outside of those kind of two matches. Uh, it, I think it's a, I right. think it's turtle slow movement on their part. And Okada is... He's he's doing everything he needs he needs to do on his way out. He already put over Sonata. I... He's had the one last Tokyo Dome match with Danielson. Um, he's popping numbers for his go away tour. I mean, the guy has put over plenty loved... of talent. I loved this show, top to bottom. Uh, obviously, there were stronger parts and weaker parts. Sure. Um, but as a whole, as a whole, I thought it was a really strong show, and. The biggest thing that it did for me was get me excited for the show on the 24th. Um, I'm so excited for hair versus hair. I'm so excited for, I can't even remember the other matchups that were made, but I can't remember being more hyped for a New Japan show than I am for the next New Beginnings show on the 24th. I think this, and that's what you want from your show. You want all yeah. of your shows to build to your next show. And I think that's what this did. Yeah, there's certainly more storylines going on. Uh, the uh, It's Uimura and Suji, right, with the hair? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess my bigger, like, the match itself and who's in it isn't, isn't necessarily issue. It's... Okay. My larger issue is... And I say this about the the Joshi scene a lot. There's so much veteran talent that you're not going to push like seemingly ever again. So why aren't those guys being booked in these programs with the young guys instead of the young guys just against each other, which you will be able to do for the next decade, assuming. So why isn't it someone like a Goto or a hell, even a, a great Okan? I'll throw him in there. Uh, against these young guys yeah. doing the hair versus hair. The, the, a lot of these moves just seem pretty obvious to me, and I'm not I'm not saying those matches in particular are the obvious ones to do. I'm just giving you an example of the direction I think they should have gone rather than what we're seeing kind of time and time again over these last couple of years with, well, the quote-unquote new Musketeers Part 3. Uh, but I digress. We'll see what happens over time. The Okada-Tanahashi match I thought was very special. Uh, I went full three on it. I didn't even hesitate. Um, right. Does Tanahashi have above four stars in him anymore? I think four stars is his ceiling now. Three and three quarters. Um, but four are respectable. Um, more than respect. I mean, that's still a solid outing. Very solid. Yeah. And I'm happy with it. Uh, the match that did not have a solid outing was Kenta and Chase Owens against uh, Hikaleo and El Fantasmo. Uh, I thought that was uh, yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. Um, 
wait, Kenta and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah, it was so bad you uh, wanted to forget about it. Yeah. I don't get this tag scene at all over the last number of months. Uh, I wasn't really all that into Bishimon, but at least they were putting on good matches. No. I don't know. These, uh, I don't know the direction. I don't know the purpose. I don't know why we're heading where we're heading. Kenton Chase Owens has it now. You and I were both on here saying El Fantasmo's singles run like needs to happen. It needed to happen a long time ago at this point uh, where we're at. I think they've missed a lot of the boat on El Fantasma. And you can see him in these in these tag matches. He's still over, but to the extent of being some sort of single star, the the longer we keep waiting on this thing, the less it gets. Yeah, that is that is true. Um where do we see Tomatonga showing up next? I hope it's WWE. <laughs> hope. Oh, I love Tomatonga. TNA would be a good fit for him, to be honest. Yeah, I just hope wherever he ends up, he ends. He's happy. Uh, by all accounts, he's a great dude and a family man, and uh, I just I just really enjoy him as a human. Mm-hmm. So, I just, I just hope he, I just hope he's happy. I'll put it this way: <laughs> I hope he don't play for the team I root for. <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. I get it. <laughs> I just hope he's happy. <laughs> I just hope yeah. he's happy. Something me as a Utah Jazz fan rarely has to worry about <laughs> is, oh my is signing free agents. <laughs> Utah Jazz. Yeah. Let's okay. go Nuggets. Zach, look, I got no problem with big man Jokic. Okay? I love him. Holy crap, man. I've He's unbelievable. Did you watch any of the All-Star stuff? Because I did not. I was busy watching the Devils outdoor game. So I watched the stadium series, and I watched yeah. the NHL uh, All-Star competition because that shit is always entertaining to me. Fucking Kucherov. My favorite, too. Did not give two shits about that thing. And it was astoundingly funny. He's the NHL version of Jokic. Like, (laughs) you have McKinnon and McDavid out there. Uh, To me, those are the two best players in the league. And Kucherov is third. But Kucherov is the league point leader. And... McDavid and McKinnon are skating their asses off, the skills competition, the skate, and then Kucherov comes up, and this man's like, oh, I just don't want to get fined, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's literally getting booed in Maple Leafs Garden there. <laughs> <laughs> because he's fucking half-assing this thing on the skills competition. It's so funny. Oh, God. Anyways. Saw Damian Lillard win the three-point contest again, but okay. Zach Sabre Jr. defeats Brian Danielson 33 minutes just about with the little crucifix roll-up. <laughs> We're tied at one, baby. We're tied at one. Holy fuck, this match. This match. Is it your match of the year right now? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't keep track. It is for me. Don't keep track. 
Um, it's above Mayu Shuri for me. Uh, this was an all-encompassing, just hype-level match. Uh, they went even harder the than they most... did in America. I thought this was way better than the Wrestle Dream match. Uh, it, it just had more. It just Dream. had more fire and intensity that we didn't see prior. Uh, they went. It's almost like the first match was the feeling out period, and the second mm -hmm. one was okay. Now we got a one up. One up. So where does that lead for the? Because there's going to be a third match. Is it going to be a two out of three falls? I... Is it going to be a straight submission match? Because that's the story here. Iron neither Man can, match, whatever. Yeah, neither yeah. can submit each um, other. It's going to be something, and I think they neither built... can submit. Oh my god, I would love that. Um, because then you don't. They have to think outside the box. I would like neither can submit as the stipulation because then you'll get fewer apples. Oh, you want a strike be... exchange? I, but that's not the story. The story is who's the best technical wrestler. They have to go the oh, technical. I route. know. I know, I know, I know. Anyway, um, no, this match was so compelling. Um, it reeled me in from, you know, from the get-go. I thought commentary, they, I watched with English commentary. I thought they did a fabulous job of breaking it down, um, explaining the story without, you know, uh, without making, without, uh, without talking down to the audience, mm -hmm. um, the, the biggest distraction during this match was the one really loud fan that was trying to get his chance over. That was so <laughs> weird, and it was clearly a Japanese type fan too. Yes, doing yeah. the fight yeah. forever. We want tables. Well, it was so bizarre. Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember hearing We Want Tables, but I did enjoy oh, it. Was, was, I'm just saying, like, a, that you could hear this fan throughout the show, like, trying to get that shit over. Yeah, there <laughs> uh, there were a few English language chants that did get over during this match, though. There was a This Is Awesome chant yep. in English. There was a Fight Forever chant mm -hmm. in English. Uh, and I really enjoyed both of those. Uh... Yeah, there was that one fan that was yeah trying to get himself over the whole show. It was so weird. It, it, it just really reminded me so of a number. abnormal yeah, for New Japan. It's very abnormal. Yeah. A number of years ago at a stardom show, I think it was at a Corkin Hall or something, uh, there were a couple American fans that were trying to do those same chants, and there was a lot of like reprimand online, both English and Japanese fans saying this is embarrassing and whatnot. I didn't see that same thing on the new Japan one, but yeah. that's, that's what I could think about is, but uh, maybe it's because it wasn't two Americans doing it this time around. That's maybe, where the difference maybe. lies. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could tell it was a Japanese fan. Um, maybe that is the difference. Uh, yeah, even in the tag, biggest... you know what? Even in the tag match, he was the guy rooting for Kenta. Oh, and Kenta was telling he him was like, shut up. And he must've, and he must've just been near wherever one of the mics were too, because I like my voice carries. <laughs> I don't know that you would hear me like that, but like, it's one of my biggest complaints at any wrestling show is when an audience member or a portion of the crowd tries to get themselves over. Um, I like to it think it's just, it's, I, I like to think in these cases, it's just fans just trying to have fun rather than being selfish like about to, it. 
I like to think that, but like it happens on the cruise a lot where the the fans will chant things that have nothing to do with what's happening in the ring. Yeah, I didn't get that feeling on this one. No, not on this one. I'm just saying in general, like this is one of my pet peeves when watching wrestling. Um, Yeah, that's all. I was just going off on a tangent with. Well, we ended up talking more about a fan than the Danielson Saber match. Yeah. Well, what else can you say about the match that hasn't been said already or like. Without just saying, like, go watch it. I thought the headbutt exchange um, was awesome. I love that shit. Uh, the uh, more they make it look real, the stronger it is without actually clunking heads. Oh, my God. It made me so nervous. I hated it. Uh, I'm like, Brian's head, Brian's neck. You're right. His head, his neck, his head, his neck. I, I hated it for the same reason that you loved it, probably. Um... That was great. The ankle knee cell from uh, ZSJ was great from the beginning. Uh, I forget whether he was selling his knee or his ankle, but. Um, yeah, there were very that, that was such a good detail in the match throughout both guys yeah. was no matter what body part they worked or slowly worked, they were selling that body part in these particular moments. And then when they switched to another one, then. The other one was able the the previous limb was able to heal a little bit, but they they showed a certain level of fatigue during the course of the match, and that's what was very compelling to me. Which a lot of I think a lot of these grapple exchanges, uh, especially at the beginning of matches, just are the typical feeling out period. This transcended that idea. This was the two best guys in the world doing this style. Uh, if Shuri and Stardom was able to have an exchange of similar aptitude, which is very rare because no one's kind of on her level with these things in the women's league, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the in this case, these two guys, just no one's. I think I think the closest thing I can think of at the top of my head was like a, a certain Francesca Akira match, Akira match uh, with Robbie Eagles. Uh, El Desperado, like those mm-hmm. kind of guys. I love I love these style of matches when they're able to grow on the limb selling and limb work. And then it builds into some strike exchanges to just knock your opponent down after a lot of the weakness has been dealt. Uh, I love this match. It's as close to five stars as I can imagine. Um, can't really think of anything I would certainly change in it other than maybe the finish. So... Am I being too nitpicky on that point? I don't know. Did Who cares? Not, it's fucking awesome. It's do full not three. like the finish. I loved the. I loved the idea that. I love the roll up idea. I just don't think it hit at the right time for me to go. Oh, we got him. Ooh. It was more just kind of okay. Threw him into into it, and then it was a more I'm tired thing and got pinned. It wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, maybe that's by design. It was. It didn't feel definitive. Nothing about it felt. I think that definitive. was. I think that was by design. I think the whole point was they needed to submit each other, and then they resorted to pinfalls, and CSJ resorted to a roll-up. Mm. I think that's the whole point. Yeah. And so I think, I, think, I think they got one more Nelson, great match in them to one-up this even further. Uh, it really, I It really gives me the good feels when I see a match like this. Uh, and then the main event... Was the Osprey send off the uh, steel cage? It was more like a um, well. It says dog pound steel cage match. 
on wrestling data. Uh, that makes more sense to me now because I was thinking it looked more like a dog what... kennel. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what dog pound steel cage means. They build it as a cage match. It was more like a, uh, I don't know, even know what to call it. Well, there's only one ring. Uh, it was war game but... style with people coming in one at a time kind of deal. Well, as far as the entrances, yes. Um, yeah, so the, the cage, uh, for anybody who didn't watch it, the top of, first of all, the cage walls were about six feet from the ring, mm-hmm. 12 feet from the ring. They were much farther away than any Western, any Western cage match we've ever seen. Um, and then the top of the cage walls, the cage walls, it wasn't a constructed cage. It wasn't, um, chain link. It was just like, it's like a fence, a fence. And they were sat on the ground. Um, So from the ground to the top of the side of the cage, the top of the side of the cage was only about as high as the top rope. Mm-hmm. It was the uh, weird, not what I expected from a cage match, but maybe I should have gone back to like the only other New Japan cage match ever to see what they thought a cage match was. So I liked it. I liked it. I thought it was different. I thought it brought a different elements to the type of match it was. I think uh, the problem with a lot of these types of stipulations, especially in cage matches, it generally makes the match a little worse because it limitates, limitates, puts limitations on what they can do. And I thought this certainly added to everything they could do and give them enough space where the amount of people uh, never felt congested because that's always another um, issue with these kinds of matches when you have 10 people involved. So the elimination style, I quite enjoyed. I like the ending where it's Osprey against everyone else and getting beaten down. He puts over David Finley on his way out. They've had their rivalry over the many years at this point in time. I Look, David Finley ain't the guy to me. I have no issue with him being a focal point in some sort of heel group, but boy, oh boy, the more it goes on, he feels like Natsuko Toro to me. And uh, for those that don't know, no. that's... Uh, heel group in stardom where it pretend pretend heel leader kind of situation uh now the match being over an hour long way too long just an absurd amount of time didn't think they needed to be this long at all whatsoever because even myself along with the audience i was kind of checked out after about 20 30 minutes and that's only half the amount of time that they went i was very tired by the it was 40 too minute long. mark. It was too long. It was, it was very hard. It I was think fun. I went like one or two out of three on it. I liked elements of it. I liked parts of it. But as a whole, Agreed. not good. And it's a lot of just hitting each other with shit. Anyways. So, we got Hokkaido Sapporo coming up. Sonata winning that title back. Um, yeah. You say yes. Another short Naito title reign. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I... 
I don't think his first run went the way they wanted it. And no COVID. <laughs> no, I don't think Sonata's first run went the oh. way they wanted it. Really? Because it and... felt like they did everything that they wanted to during it. He didn't get more over or anything. Well, then so... I, he's not champion material then. Right. We'll see what happens. Because they certainly told a good story um, of getting there and Okada put him over. He had some definitive victories over top talents. Uh, he lost mm-hmm. it to Naito in a in a very good match. I very much enjoyed that. I think his, I think in terms of what it did for him, ah, we already talked about that at Wrestle Kingdom. But anyways, uh, right. look, I want to see Naito Zack Saber Jr. That's what I want to see. That's where I want it to go. I think Zach is the guy that they're building to, and he's a foreigner. And people are, I feel like people and fans are waiting for him to take the next step into the main event. They certainly have holes to fill now with Jay White, Okada, and company all gone in this calendar year. Ibushi's not coming back anytime soon. Right. It's literally, to me, it's literally just Naito on top right now. That's it. Yeah, I think that's. That's. I think Suji and Yamura. Uh, on the 24th might tell both of them. Well, remember, the guy who usually who loses the hair match is usually the one that comes out on top. Right. They become most over. I'm very interested to see what happens. Um, before we move on to WCW... Unfortunately. <laughs> before we move on... Um... I've been trying to watch some more indie stuff. Okay. Um, and I have nothing really to, to I have nothing to comment on today because I didn't take any notes, but trying to watch some more indie stuff because I missed it a lot. Um and I've really enjoyed what I've been watching. And I can't even remember what I watched, but I've been enjoying it. Um but in addition to indie wrestling, I finally got Jason to enjoy baseball. We've been watching the Savannah Bananas. Are you familiar with... I saw the Johnny Cena clip. Okay, okay, okay. So we were watching even before that. Um, The Savannah Bananas are basically the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. Okay. They have... It is sports entertainment. It is Uh 100% sports entertainment. Um, They started as a legit, like single a baseball team and then they realized they were getting more attention from their sideline antics Uh so they left triple a ball took another team with them uh, called the party animals okay and it's it's basically the harlem globetrotters of baseball they are sports entertainment they have like entrance music they do choreographed dances Mm -hmm. They have a pitcher that's on stilts. They do behind-the-back catches. They do trick plays. They do whatever else. It is wrestling. It's, yeah, it's wrestling. It's baseball for wrestling fans, and it's sports entertainment. It's it's so silly. It is so fucking entertaining. <laughs> um. Anyway, so obviously there's... Obviously, their home field is in Savannah, uh, but they started a 
a national tour um, last week. So they played a couple of games in Tampa and they played a couple of games in Arizona. Now they're going back to Savannah and then they're they're bouncing all around the country. They're so popular that all of their tickets are only available on a lottery system. Like you have to win the chance oh, man. to get tickets. Um, they're just a phenomenon to behold. They are free to watch on YouTube. They broadcast the games live. I highly recommend watching at least one game um, or a portion of a game. Uh, read the rules because for the most part, it's baseball rules, but there are some funny things. You can steal first base. Um, if there's a if there's a walk, you have to like they have to pass the ball to all seven outfielders before they can make a play on the ball. <laughs> or like if there's like a dead ball, like they have to pass it all and then the ball's live. Like it's so silly. But it's still legit baseball, and it's less like the Globe Trotters. Like the Savannah Bananas are zero and fourteen in their last games. Like it's not because it's baseball. It's really hard to fake. Yeah. <laughs> like with basketball, it's a much smaller. Yeah, yeah. Thing. Even when you like with baseball, even if you like swing a bat and you're supposed to miss the ball, sometimes you hit it right. Like, um, so they actually play a full game. And you don't know who's going to win. And that makes it more exciting. More like wrestling, right? Yeah. Um, That's funny. It's super It's super fun. It's free on YouTube. Follow them, Savannah Bananas. I guarantee you'll have a good time. See, Even- I thought I thought when you first said, I got him into baseball. I'm like, what did you show him? Not a Rockies game? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, we watched, we, yeah, we watched spring training of the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, goddamn. <laughs> That's what a real baseball team looks like when they develop players. Ah, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm actually really looking forward to baseball season this year. I think the Yankees are looking strong. They made some good moves in the offseason. But um, let's put that aside. I don't know. The Blue Jays look like they're a weaker team. The Rockies are the Rockies. Uh, looks like I'm watching more Houston Astros games like I'm still living there. Roasts. Roasts. What? Um, I know. The Rockies suck. Gross. It's gross. <laughs> Watch the Savannah Bananas. <laughs> All right, you can't put off I WCW enough. Here we go. Drop. <laughs> uh. All right, where's my phone so I can? Time marks. Did you lose? Shit. I'm like looking for my. I put it behind the uh, the Playboy book. <laughs> Don't take that out of context. <laughs> All right, New Japan that lasted. Wow, we talked uh, a lot about New Japan. Look at that. Good time. Okay. Okay. Not bad. WCW Uncensored 2000. <sighs> From Miami, Florida, Amer- the brand new American Airlines Arena. American Airlines. Uh, they told me, I their- swear to God they said this, a sold out crowd of 5,000 people. Get the fuck out of here, WCW. Is this their lowest rated pay-per-view of 2000? Yes, this is the official like downfall of where now everything's okay. kicking up. Because I, I, 
I found this out in my when I started in '98 that, and I and I vaguely remembered this. You would book an arena basically a year ahead of time, okay, mm-hmm. and then you'd also sell the tickets essentially a year ahead of time, whether that was going to your local grocery store, like a Randall's or Albertsons or some mm-hmm. shit, Kroger. And and if the ticket was hot, people would buy them within that first week, right? So WCW was was hot in 98 because of 97. Uh, they weren't a trash fire quite yet. So 99, people had already bought the tickets in 98. So now we're at the point where 99 was the trash fire so was the end of 98. And so we're in 2000 now, along with the shitty TV that's been getting worse and worse uh, since 1998. Now we're seeing these arenas plummet. We've already seen the pay-per-view buy rate plummet from their 1.1s that they were doing. This one got a 0.13. Mm-hmm. There's your context. Oh, goodness. And now on pay-per-views, they're getting 5,000 people to these attendances with... Like tickets being given away left and right, radio shows giving away tickets. Like they aren't making money on these things anymore. Is the point? They're losing money uh, hand over fist. Um, and I've seen a lot of people compare what WCW is doing from like '99 and post uh, mm-hmm. to AEW, and I'm like, it is not the same. First of all, we're about to no, 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 we're about no, to get no. a sold out Greensboro Arena. For Sting's retirement. Now that's retirement, retirement draw, etc. But you can even look at the last couple of pay-per-views for AEW. Even when attendance has been down on their television, which they're getting two, three, maybe four thousand on a good day, they're at least consistent with that. And I'm not saying that's good. However, when comparing it to WCW during this time, WCW is consistently getting worse with each month. Uh with cities and arenas they go to, and here we have a pay-per-view where they're where they're giving away tickets to get to 5,000 markers. That's the that's the level of difference we're looking at. And look, this show might have been the least shitty show that we've seen in quite some time, mm-hmm. even from a pay-per-view perspective, because they tried to make it very straightforward. So I don't think Russo truly booked this show, but when they put stipulations in there, uh, there's still Ed Ferrara and company involved. Uh, wrestlers still kind of they're getting worked from the boys and and management in the back. Very much seen in my eyes by when a guy tells Sid Vicious that he his match is on now instead of the main event, and you see him literally, literally go, "Oh, really? Oh, okay. I'll I'll get out out there. Yes, sir. You know he wasn't Sid Vicious. You know what I mean? He was the guy. He clearly wasn't in character in that point. That was my interpretation of it. Yeah. Okay. Let's dive into this show because okay um there wasn't too much of like like it it opened with a match there was there was like a little bit of a promo um like a video package but not too much of fucking around before they got into a match and it was a cruiserweight match and i'm always (laughs) stupidly optimistic about the cruiserweight matches in WCW. Oh yeah, forget um, that. <laughs> forget that now. I'm always always stupidly optimistic. So we had uh the artist formerly known as Prince uh versus Psychosis. Hoovy was on the outside for Psychosis. Paisley was on the outside for the artist. Um 
bell rings and then before they do any moves music hits yes and they do a debut <laughs> in the middle of a match chris candido comes out and he hits commentary <laughs> like all After right the match had started yeah what? so oh for <laughs> our yeah i look i don't know wcw's weird that's what they want to do. They want to make an impact, but why Chris Candido in this instance where no one will give a shit? Baffling. Uh, don't have the notepad up of where we made our predictions, but uh, we basically got half the card correct because they at least told us what the matches were on the Nitro before. Hogan Flair Strap, Sid Vicious Jeff Jarrett, Sting Total Package, Rhodes Funk, what they failed to tell us and what we didn't know was a lot of the stipulations. So, oh, like, I didn't I know like... Sting and Package was a lumberjack match. I didn't know okay. Rhodes and Funk were in a bull rope match and then changed to an I quit match on the fly, which was stupid. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, yeah, get we'll get there. there. We'll get there because I have. Oh, my God. So I watched the this whole pay-per-view at like six in the morning today. And then, except for the last two matches, which I watched after I got home from my outing. And I watched the last two matches. Jason was in the room. Mm-hmm. So he was in the room for um, Sid Vicious versus Jeff Jarrett, and he was in the room for Hogan versus Flair. Oh, poor guy. I know. but D- Did he take a hot shower afterwards? <laughs> He's uh, currently on the patio smoking a cigar. <laughs> a cigar. So, oh, I thought he would need something stronger. <laughs> oh, well, he smokes stronger things. Okay. Don't you worry. <laughs> uh, we do live in Colorado. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe I watched that. That was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Side um, tangent. My mom went so, bowling with me on Wednesday and she had yeah? two edibles. She'd never taken more than one before. Okay. Forget about it. <laughs> I love it. And I did not bowl well, and she passed out in the chair, and then I woke her up, and she goes, oh, it's over? And I'm like, yes. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry I fell asleep. I go, no, it's gl- I'm glad you didn't. You weren't awake to see all that. That was terrible. Oh, good. Okay, good. <laughs> um, no, so so Jason watches the, the Hogan Flair match, and I was, it's a the stupid strap four-corner match, and we'll get into that, too, because I have issues with that match. Um... <laughs> But I was like, by the way, this comes after a match that was a hardcore match, after a match that was a lumberjack match, after a match that was a bull rope match. After I was like, basically, there is no variety on this show. Every match has a stipulation. Every match has a no DQ clause, basically. Right. There was there was nothing redeemed. Okay. So anyway, um, Cruiserweight match, terrible. Again, like every WCW Cruiserweight match, they all have so much more potential than what we actually get. Um, There was a really awesome Frankenstein from the top turnbuckle, but then uh, the seconds on the outside, Paisley and Hoovy, get all distracty and... uh, Get all (laughs) distracty. In a very 90s, 2000s way. 
and lol, the artist wins. Yeah, about right. Then we cut to Exus. That's Rave and Lane. That's Lenny Lane and. Uh, before uh, we cut to Exus. Oh, okay. He decided to give Bam Bam Bigelow a microphone for like the worst promo I've ever seen ever. I don't understand why you would give that guy a mic. They did that randomly throughout the whole show where they'd like cut to someone in the back cutting a promo. And they it's were all terrible. They were all terrible bad promos. <laughs> they were all terrible. Bam Bam Bigelow was the worst. It actually got better from there. Mm. Um, but yeah, so then we cut to excess. Lane and Rave. Yeah, it's it's um, Lodi and Lenny Lane. They're out of their gay gimmick now, and now they're just berating uh, who will be uh, Stacey Keebler, Miss Hancock. Stacey Keebler, yeah. yeah. They're berating her, um, blaming her for losses. She's out there recruiting people, but never recruits anybody. She's essentially out there to dance every now and again. That's it. I agree she's out there to dance, but she does more with what she's given and she has any right to like, she's very good at, she's very good at it. And not just cause she's hot. Like she's given this stuff because she's hot. Yeah. And then she kind of, she kind of works with it is my point. Well, like, what does she terrible. have to work with? Right. It's all terrible. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, anyway, so then excess is, uh, opponents are, a kiss demon, and normally Norman Spi- Smiley as the kiss demon. This was so bizarre because I'm watching this and I see the Iron Maiden gimmick thing rise up from mm-hmm. the side of the stage and it's opening and the camera then cuts to the demon on the ramp and I'm like, oh, so that's dumb. No one's coming out of it. Not the kiss demon, the whole gim- the whole point of the gimmick. And then he walks down the ramp right. and it goes back to Norman coming out from the side. And I'm like, oh, did he come out of the coffin? That's weird. And he's got face That's paint. That's what commentary said. Yeah, it's the, the camera work in this company commentary. is atrocious now. It's horrible. Everything about yeah. the last few months especially is just getting worse. And it's moves like this where they make simple camera cuts and then I'm just lost. All right, so they have a they have a match. It's really bad. It's all gimmick. Uh, Raven Lane just straight up lose just because they blame Miss Hancock and the demon and Smiley grab her back, go in the ring, and they have some terrible dances. They grind on each other basically. Yeah. Then there's a match I don't give a fuck about: the Wall versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Like I don't even remember a build up to this match. Um, I give no fucks about this match. Well, they're pushing the wall. Uh, the wall's getting big time yeah, push. Yeah, that's fine. They're putting him over as was... this just crazy monster who's been choke slamming people through tables for the past two weeks. Uh, and it's devastating. People are coming back, particularly Crowbar and David Flair. There were neck braces and whatnot. Sure. A lot of injury type storylines going on. Uh, oh my God. Everybody has a broken arm, and we'll get into that too. Yeah. Um, basically the match was super dumb, but there was a really good explosion. So that was fun. Yeah. They uh, brawl the outside in, after a few minutes. The, uh, the wall choke slams Bigelow the, horribly through a table by the stage in which the old, uh, Hewlett Packard 
big square monitors uh, go poof. <laughs> With a really good explosion. It was actually a really good explosion. And then, yeah, and then we bam, get bam, the big spot little jump more than night. two inches. That would have been great. <laughs> and then we get the, the spot of the night. Um, yeah. Bar is tossed off scaffolding that's what, like 15 feet in the air. Um, he goes through a makeshift stage. There's obviously a crash pad below. Hopefully it was very safe, but it did look really good. Yeah, it looked great. They put it over the wall being psychotic, and he loves hurting people. And yeah. I'm like, great. If it was anyone other than the wall, I could be into this. <laughs> exactly. The bump was great. The lead up to the bump was nonsense. Yeah, and they put Speaking this over nonsense, hard throughout the entire pay-per-view over and show. over again. Throughout the show, the wall is sadistic. He hurts people. He's getting the big push, brother. Yeah. Um, speaking of nonsense, we get some boy band nonsense next. Oh, this was awful. And then, um, and then a hardcore match between the fake Dudley boy, and he has to beat all three members of Three Count. Yes, all three members of Three Count are the hardcore champion. I know. Stupid <sighs> when you say it out loud, too. Anyway, he wins. Oh, actually, there's a dusty finish, and then he wins. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's really funny. So it has to be an elimination match for God knows reason. And Nobbs pins whoever the fuck first, and they play his music, and then commentaries quickly scrambling, going, oh, no, he has to pin all three of them. And then they're even confused when none of them go to the back, so he's still fighting all three of them at once. Oh, right, so then he, then he defeats the second guy. And he defeats the third guy, and they bring the bell. And then the referee goes, no, 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 his foot was on the rope. Oh, yeah. It is a hardcore match. <laughs> Very dumb. No one knows the rules. You can't it's a have theme a throughout. dusty yeah. finish with fucking rope breaks. Oh, my God. Anyway, they restart the match. And Brian Nobbs wins. Yeah, he bonks him on the head with a trash can, then splashes off the rope with the trash can and pins whoever the fuck. Uh, then, there's, then there's another terrible backstage promo by Vampiro. Oh my god, that, um, no, come on, that was the worst one. They're so, they're all so bad, JD. I, I thought cannot. that was, I thought the Vampiro one was the worst. He's, he's under a ladder, uh, and he's, he's talking. He's just rambling. He's just rambling like a goth kid. Oh, so, they, they want so me to do bad the, things, but I'm not a bad person. But when they make me do bad things, I become a bad person. The difference between the Vampiro promo and the Bam Bam Bigelow promo Impero is just a rambly ADD goth kid who doesn't even know <laughs> what point he's trying to make. Which I can relate to. That was me in 2000. Like, <laughs> without exaggeration, that was me. A rambly ADD goth kid. Um, and Bigelow, just, I just did not believe that he even believed words that were coming out of his mouth um anyway so vampiro's uh promo backstage promo was terrible and we have a harlem heat match right that was next yeah yeah stevie ray big um, t and oh was fuck. kind of okay what was the what was the what was the other huge dude on the outside name was named it wasn't crush it was crush with a k oh it was crush Crash. Cash? Cash. Oh, cash. Yeah, cash, cash, cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. 
You're right. Clash with a K. Yeah, they just have a um, match. It was okay. It was, it was not good. Fine, I guess. I mean, it was still bad, yeah. <laughs> it was not good, but it was maybe one of the better things on the card. I have no notes on the match, actually, so that tells you something. If I have no notes, then it was okay. Um, I don't know. All I know is the guys who got the pin and got pinned were not the legal guys in the match at the time. So WCW does uh, not give two shits okay. about that. that. Okay. Oh, oh, keep that in mind because <laughs> WCW not giving two shits about rules and match results comes into play later in the pay-per-view. <laughs> sure does. So then we get a Vampiro versus Finley in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Oh, again, another stipulation match. Of course. Uh, and again, who cares? It was terrible. Yeah, Vampiro wins. Fit Finley cuts a promo later saying, uh, I put you over. Congratulations. I'm like, I don't care. So we move on. It's yeah. the Harris brothers uh, trying to win the tag titles from Johnny the Bull and Big, v- Big Vito. Uh, Disco Inferno on commentary the whole time. Uh, he was terrible. Uh, the point of this is they have a match until randomly Disco Inferno hits the ring with the title belt. He hits one of the Harris brothers with it. Uh, then the commentary scrambling again going, I guess it's no DQ now because they say it is. Uh, so Harris brother kicks out and then they end up winning the titles anyways. So I'm whatever. Awful. Yeah. Uh, I literally wrote shut up disco. And then after the match, I wrote, I have zero thoughts on that match or the title change. (laughs) Yeah. They just make up rules as they go. And speaking of making up rules, bull rope match, Dustin Rhodes defeats Terry Funk. I Wait. have thoughts on this. You have thoughts on this one? Yeah. With the rubber I mean, rubber chicken build? It, yeah, it wasn't good. No, it wasn't rubber chicken. It was real um, chicken build. <laughs> well, there was real rubber chicken. Well, huh, there was a raw chicken, a chicken man. <laughs> I have no idea what the chicken man was, was about. That's, I don't know. Okay. That's so one I, of the dumbest I things zoned, on the pay-per-view. I zoned out at some point. You know, obviously, like, reasonably, I zoned out. And then all of a sudden, there's a dude in a chicken suit, and I'm like, what is happening? Um, If nothing else, though, um, since watching WCW with you, I do have a better appreciation for Dustin Rhodes, his career, his struggles, his resurgence, and also his history with the bull rope. Um, so... Uh, that's something. Anyway, <laughs> mid-match. Anyway, mid-match. Terry Funk decides it's going to be an I Quit match. Right. And everybody was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Now it's an I Quit match." But then Dustin wins with a pinfall. Anyway, no, so the ref went. I no, I'm not doing that. Terry Funk hits him, and then yeah, Dustin Rhodes <laughs> just wins with the pinfall, and then he goes, "Well, it continues." So they try to I quit each other, and Terry Funk uh, runs away. And then they're like, this isn't over. I'm like, oh, good. Can't wait. <laughs> okay. Um, the next match, we have Sting versus Total Package. Uh, before the match, I super enjoyed Total Package giving a promo where he apologized in advance for breaking everyone's arms. Yeah. <laughs> and then, And then, so, okay. 
Because he knows they're surrounding the ring and they might jump his ass at any minute. And he's very hesitant during his entrance and everything. So so Sting's out there and Sting brought his lumberjacks. And then Total Package comes out and he goes, oh, man, I'm going to break all your arms and I'm sorry about it in advance. And then his lumberjacks come out and they all have casts on their arms. (laughs) It's so great. I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah, and it's then, a shame the match was pretty bad and terrible. Oh, the match is terrible. And then, um, and then, um, uh, Flair entered? Yeah, so what happens the is there's Flair? multiple people Rick interfering, uh, such as Ric Flair comes out eventually to help package Sting. Oh, right, 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 okay. Yeah. Oh, so Ric Flair comes out to be a lumberjack, and my favorite part of the whole pay per view was, unfortunately, my least favorite commentator Madden. He goes, "He's a lumberjack and he's okay." <laughs> God, he does have good one liners every now and again. Um, so that was good. Match was not good. Also. Okay, so then, you know, Sting with the baseball bat and, like, whatever, and there's a whole bunch of nonsense. I don't know why it bothers me so much. Tony Schiavone always says, all bat, and not baseball bat. Oh, because he... He still, to this day, on AEW says ball bat, and I don't know why it bothers me. Yeah, that that stems from his minor league uh, baseball commentating career that he has it's it's still a baseball bat it's not a ball bat what is a, a ball bat could be a ball bat no it's a baseball bat okay it really bugs me i don't know why randomly in the match Sorry, uh tank is... abbott comes out punches doug dillinger oh yeah <laughs> i'm like okay a lot of shit like that in the match so one of my biggest issues on the entire show was the amount of big moves and like through tables and huge finishers and, and hitting, getting hit with the baseball bat, the ball bat. Uh, and people just be up (laughs) just seconds after it. No selling, Mm -hmm. just straight up. No selling throughout the show. And if it happens once or twice or at peak moments, not a care in the world, right? Part of the match. Love that kind of stuff. But this was, throughout the entire show in every match because they just didn't know how to work it, didn't know how to finish it. Uh, so many ideas being thrown by producers, probably. Just nothing molded together uh, to make any of that interesting. Uh, and then we get our world title match. I already spoke about how they got to this point. Um, Sid Vicious okay. somehow defeats Jeff Jarrett, oh. overcomes all the odds, and a very bizarre beginning in which commentary commentary even said, because Jeff Jarrett goes, because he's coming out with all these hot women week after week, and he goes, we're going to show some skin, ladies, right? You guys, he's saying these women are going to strip. And he goes, well, not until I win the title. So until I win the title, go on back, and then we're going to have a celebration out here where you're going to strip nude, essentially. And even commentary goes, well, shit, now I kind of want Jeff Jarrett to win. What the hell? <laughs> I'm like, yes. Um, Who doesn't want to see hot women get nude? (laughs) Yeah, and honestly, that match was really 
okay and enjoyable until the interference, which is the story of WCW in this era. Oh, yeah. Um, it's all usually okay so, until somebody interferes. This is the bad camera and angle work that I was talking about earlier. All throughout the show, they're also teasing a limo that is just sitting in the parking lot. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, my All God. All throughout, and Jeff Jarrett's teasing a special uh, card up his sleeve. It's in the limo. No one's doing anything yes, about yes, it. Yes, yes. He's and he and he's constantly saying in his promos, WCW's screwing him, even though they're not doing anything to screw him. Uh and then randomly in the match, just Hulk Hogan comes out before his match, Scott Steiner comes out, and they're like, That was the guy in the limo. I'm like, was it? We didn't see anyone come out. Why didn't you show it? You didn't, didn't show, show anything. It's just yeah. okay, here's Scott Steiner, just after months in his Wait, back injury. He's helping horrible. Jeff Jarrett out. He cracks Hogan and then just leaves. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then Hogan. Okay. I wrote, how old is he here? He's moving so slowly and he still has a main event to wrestle. I am not optimistic. And the bell rings, right? Like, I don't even remember how the match ends. Lots of interference. Sid Vicious wins, retains the title. And then there's like still more interference and they're just doing the ding, ding, ding because there's interference. They just keep ringing the ring bell. Right. And Ric Flair shows up and then they keep ringing the bell for interference. And then there is a strap and all of a sudden the main event has started, even though there was no clear. None of those ding, ding, dings <laughs> for the clear ding to start this match. But the match starts. Anyway. Uh... Here are my notes on this match. The uh, first thing I wrote was, to be fair, Ric Flair flops really well. He does. He's a great seller and like a flop, like a legit like flop, you know, like a soccer flop. Like mm -hmm. he's just very good at it. Then probably about five, eight minutes into the match, I wrote, not a lot of storytelling in this match. I am bored. It was very boring. Um, uh, we've seen this Hogan Flair house show thing yeah. so many times at this point. They just keep going to the well was, over and over again. It was just super boring. Um, then, okay. Then, Flair had... Okay, so the stipulation of this match, it's a strap match, but they also have... <laughs> They also have to touch all four corners, like all four top turnbuckle pads before they do a pin. Yeah. And all um, while this match is going on, commentary trying to figure out the rules because no one's actually trying to them. figure out the rules. Okay. So Flair uh, has Hogan eat-ish. Um, touches at least two corners, uh, but then stops touching them, does a move uh, on Hogan, breaks the four corners, and commentary is like, oh, he broke the four corners, he's going to have to start all over again. But then he makes a pin anyway, and the referee counts the pin, and Tony Schiavone's like, oh, maybe he did come. Uh-oh. There you are. You're cutting out. Cutting out. Oh, my headphones. Ooh, one sec. Let me pick different headphones so we don't get feedback. Okay, she's changing headphones. She's working on it. Okay, so 
Hogan and Flair are having this strap match where we don't know the rules and commentary is trying to continuously tell us what the new rule is. So Flair goes the three corners, touches them. Then he ends up going for like a pinfall. And I'm going, they've never said there's pinfalls in this match at all, just that they have to touch corners. So then the ref just counts it. And I'm going, did they just change it to pinfalls now in this strap match? No clue. And then there's more copious interference with Luger coming out, uh, interference against him, Hogan's powering up like it's 1984 again, 1986. Uh, We've seen all this song and dance time and time again. Ricky, are you back? No, she's not back. So they're doing now it like it's straight out of 1985, extremely basic. We're still bored. Now we don't know the rules and what's happening. Hogan hits a boot. She's having trouble with her headphones. Not Hogan. And this big boot is the death nail. Right? So Hogan goes to... No? Oh, she's she's giving me a signal. No. She needs to jump in on this. Not over. Okay. You want to do the honors. Okay. Because it's a shit show of a finish. Whole finish to the pay-per-view is horrible. Much like, well, Uncensored itself was horrible. She's plugging in. Got a big smirk on her face. She clearly can't tell, can't wait to tell the finish. Or some thoughts. I guess it's got a knot in it. She's untying it. Is it in the computer? She's muted. She doesn't know she's muted. <laughs> Give me the finger one up. One second. One minute. Uno momento, por favor. Okay, I understand. You're speaking Spanish now. That's fine. I can read lips. <laughs> Shouldn't know what's happening. Probably has to go to her settings and change microphone or uh, change uh, headphone. Change that input. Yeah. She's agreeing with me. All this could have been time dedicated to reviewing this amazing Ric Flair-Hogan strap match. Two of the greatest of all time in the ring. Two of the most over people having a stipulation that Brian Danielson and Ricky Starks had in 2023. That match was good. This match was not. Oh no, she's dropped her microphone. <laughs> what a disaster. She doesn't know what's happening. I think she's tapping out. She's tapping out. She can't figure it out. (laughs) She's out. No? We're getting some stubbornness going on here. She's trying a different port, it looks like. Scowl faces now. I got a little bit of cocktail to drink still. Mm. Oh, that's it. Well, the Isle of Blessed Coconut was not very blessed. Not a fan of that. I don't know. I'd go like a star and a half on it. Not as good as Golden Gate. I'd probably go two and a half. Two and three quarters on the Golden Gate. Just a little above average. Well? How long did this Hogan flare match even go? There's no uh there's no time on the old 
in the old wrestling like 13 data. 13 minutes? Because oh. I told you I was going to be about 13 well, minutes. Well. Uh, I couldn't get my headphones to to do anything, so I apologize to the listeners. We're going to get some echo when JD speaks. Uh, okay. I just really wanted to chime in on these last few... Um, on these last few sequences in this main event because I don't know how I know how old uh Slayer is at this time. I don't know how old Hogan is at this time or how long he's been wrestling or what the fuck is up with his thing. But the big boot is the least devastating thing I've ever seen in all of. I mean, oh, it's like, horrible. I don't even. I, I don't under. Was it ever effective or look good or I don't. Well, it was part of it was part of the '80s in his in his string of sequences he would throw at the end. Once he hits the boot, it's over, right? And no one gets up. And then the leg drop is the final nail in the coffin. And that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Anyway, um, and the match ends with Hogan touching three corners after the big boot. Then pins Flair. No. So he, he, he hits, no, 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 he hits three corners, hits the boot on the interfering Luger, then he hits a leg drop on Flair, pins him, the bell rings, music plays, and then he, the and then he gets up and touches the last corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's such a disaster, and I apologize for the feedback that the listeners are going to get because my <laughs> headphones died. Uh, they were 100% when we started, and then we just spent way longer on this. It was great. We had, uh, we had fun. Also, I think also I think my headphones are just getting old, so like 100% used to last like four hours, and now, I mean, like anything else, getting older, you used to last four hours, and now you can only last half that time. You're welcome, men. Uh, Jeez. Anyway... <laughs> What? What? I'm not. I'm not admonishing anyone. Just. <laughs> All right. With that, we got the Fallout Nitro from Uncensored in a couple weeks. Looking forward to that one. Crazy times. Ricky, see you next time. Uh, what else do we have? Wait, what? wait, wait. Hang on, really quick. Looking forward to. Next time, do we have any other big shows in between? Oh, and then anyway, guys, we have uh, we have New Japan in beginnings on the twenty fourth. Okay, great. That's all. See ya. <laughs>